the Financial Sense Lifetime Planning Program. Now, here's the Financial Sense News Team. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us here on today's Lifetime Planning. Today, it is me, Aaron Wiegman, and Crystal Colbert here to talk to you about uh, one of the more exciting things in your financial life. It is the HSAs, uh, the Health Savings Accounts. And, uh, you know, and, and before you even wind, you wind up getting into that, a lot of times we wind up doing these podcasts and we're, we're, we're doing these podcasts for, you know, education on a particular topic or a little planning item or strategy that might make sense to you. And so that's what we wind up doing this for. But if you do have any questions about how this might apply to you and or how that kind of works into your overall financial life, because that's how we wind up helping our clients make smart choices with their money. So if you do have questions, because what it is that we do, uh, like quite commonly, you want to be hearing about our investment management, but we also do full comprehensive financial planning. Uh, we do insurance. And even now, uh, it just recently, we're able to look into managing your 401k at the employer that you're at right now, too. So if you didn't think that maybe like you'd be a client for us, you know, maybe we can like open that up to some of those other avenues where uh, we might be able to help you out. So feel free to reach out to us at financialsense.com or go ahead and reach out to us at the office at 858-487-3939. So Crystal, now that we've gotten that out of the way, educate us a little bit about HSAs. You know, why do I want an HSA and, and what does that actually look for? Like, what, why is that important to me? Yeah. So I think where I wanted to go with this podcast is just talk about the benefits of how you can use an HSA throughout every stage of your life. So one of the biggest things that I found when I was researching was, according to one of the most recent studies done at Fidelity Retiree Healthcare Cost Estimate, the average retired couple would need to save almost 315000 at the age of 65 just to pay for healthcare expenses during retirement. Okay, so that's a significant amount of money. Exactly. So if you have this tax-free bucket to dive into, it'll help a lot with not digging into some of your taxable accounts or your retirement accounts that are ordinary income to you. Sure. Does that even include uh, long-term care expenses? I don't think it does. So like, I, I think like I had seen, I had been to a, a workshop with Fidelity a few years ago and that number was like much smaller, but they were just saying that was just your regular healthcare expenses. And if so if you needed some sort of like help with long-term care, that was going to be additional on top of that. Yes, absolutely. This is just for healthcare expenses on average for a retired couple, not including any sort of long-term care should the need arise. So $315,000 per person or per couple? Per couple. Gotcha. So I kind of wanted to start out with the basics of an HSA and then move on to kind of the stages and what you can use it for. So I think one of the biggest things to point out is a lot of people know this, but some people don't, but it's the only triple tax advantage account that you can have out there. So not only are the contributions that you make tax deductible for you that comes off of your AGI, also you can invest these funds into the market according to your risk tolerance. So any growth that's associated with this account is grown tax-free. And then also any distributions that you take from this account that you apply to qualified medical expenses are, they come out tax-free to you as well. So a lot of advantages on the tax side. So what you're saying is like, as opposed to, I mean, your, your typical 401k plan where you wind up getting the tax advantage 
um, on the way in because you're deferring it, but you do have to pay taxes when you wind up pulling it out later. Um, or a Roth where you don't get the tax advantage on the front end, but you do get the tax advantage on the back end because it comes out tax-free. This is actually the one place where you can put money into it, get a tax deduction. It grows tax-preferred, and then you take it out tax-free when you wind up taking it out for these eligible expenses? Precisely. Yes. Perfect. So it's quite nice. There are some stipulations that come with this type of account. Like you do have to have a high deductible healthcare plan in order to be able to contribute to this type of plan. So you need to make sure that if you're picking your plan during open enrollment, that it is HSA eligible or there's an HSA account attached to this type of healthcare plan that you're choosing. So that is one factor to always take into account. You could have a high deductible plan, but it's not an HSA eligible high deductible plan, right? Exactly. Yes. So one of the factors of making sure that it is a high deductible healthcare plan is if you are under single coverage, you need to make sure that the deductible is greater than or equal to $1,500. Okay. And then if you're under family coverage, then you need to make sure that the deductible is greater than or equal to $3,000. So when you're picking your plan at work, it'll wind up having that little caveat that says this is HSA eligible and then this one may not be, even though it winds up having a a high deductible kind of a plan on it, right? Right, exactly. So sometimes- Maybe it's just shy of that deductible. Right. Then you're not eligible. Make sure it has that that HSA eligible stamp on it, of course. Yes, exactly. So that's one of the biggest things. There's also another stipulation where you need to make sure that the max out-of-pocket expenses is below a certain amount. So if you're single, the max out-of-pocket needs to be below $7,500. And then if it's family coverage, it needs to be a max out-of-pocket of less than $15,000. Gotcha. Okay. So I guess, you know, when, when we talk about it, so that, that's nice to get like a, a good background about like how the contributions, like what plans are eligible. But, you know, I guess a lot of people might have other things available that, to them through work. They might be more f- familiar with an FSA program. Uh, could you talk about the differences between the two of those? Yes. Yeah, so the main difference or one similarity between the two is anything that you contribute to a health savings account or an FSA, a flexible savings account, both of those contributions are going to be uh, pre-taxed to you. So you're going to get a nice deduction from your taxable income based off of what you contribute to the plan. So the HSA allows for you to contribute a little bit more um, than the average FSA. So for the HSA, you can contribute as a single individual um, for 2023. It can't exceed 3850 but you can contribute up to that amount. And then if you're under a family plan, then you can contribute for 2023 up to 7750 For an FSA, it's a little bit lower. Um, it's $3,050 for 2023. And one of the big differences between the two is with the FSA, it's kind of like a use it or lose it. If you don't use all the funds that you contribute to the FSA within that year, it's pretty much gone. With an HSA, what's nice about it is if you make that contribution to the account, you can roll it over into the next year. So it continuously allows the account to grow and compound. And like I said, if you're investing long-term, this HSA could grow to a large sum versus the FSA, it'll always be a set amount and you use it or lose it during the year. Okay. So 
with the FSA, would that be, you know, if you have a family, you know, you have particular expenses that are, you know, going to the doctor, maybe it would make sense to go ahead and, and use that FSA for that type of situation. And then the HSA is more something that you can build up over time. Certainly you can use it throughout the year, but it does give you that eligibility to get that higher tax deduction and you can build it up over time. Exactly. So how do you know, I mean, like, how, how do you go between the two of them, you know, even more, if you want to go further into that, like, how do I know if an HSA is actually right for me? Yeah. So I think it comes down to a couple things. So one, your health status is a big determination of if an HSA is right for you. So generally speaking, if you are a healthier individual, you don't need to go to the doctors as often. Um, you can actually contribute to the HSA and not tap into it as much um, and allow for it to grow. But if you're somebody that does have some health issues that you know about and that you consistently go to the doctor, it is something to take into account because maybe being on a different type of plan that doesn't have as high of a deductible for you would be better. So maybe an FSA because one, you know, you're going to use it, whatever you put into that, you know, it's going to come out that year and you can use it accordingly and still get that tax break up front. Okay. Yeah, I think one, like one of the things is, as I've helped uh, clients look at HSA eligible plans versus doing something else, sometimes it's not that big of a break on the front end of, you know, I guess with your overall insurance costs, like out of pocket every single month. So I guess you kind of have to use it on a case by case basis, like you said, like whether or not uh, whether or not the advantages for you wind up making sense for you and your family, because you know then. If you do have that higher deductible right up front and you know you're going to be going to the doctor all the time, uh, maybe it doesn't make sense to do the HSA. But if you're going to be saving money over time anyways, you're looking for that extra tax deduction, you can accrue more money in there. Maybe maybe that's that's the right thing for you. Yeah. A couple of times what we've done for clients just during a financial plan or if they're looking at their employee benefits is we've taken account of, you know, what is your premium, your monthly premium that you're going to be paying? And then what deductible would you need to meet in order for this? You know, if if you had to pay the full deductible, would it make sense? So if generally speaking with an HSA, your premiums are going to be lower, your monthly premiums for your health insurance are going to be lower because you have this higher deductible that you have to meet before insurance will kick in. So a couple of times we've just taken, what is that max deductible that you need to meet? And then what are the premiums? And then is that going to be better suited for you? But I think a lot of people forget that if you are somebody who is a bit healthier um, and don't doesn't go to the doctor very often, you're most likely not going to meet that deductible because if you're healthier and you're not using it, you don't have to worry about, you know, hitting a $3,000 deductible before health insurance will come in. Like for me, I've gone to knock on wood, but haven't gone to the doctor at all this year. I went two times last year. So it costed me roughly around $200, $100 per doctor visit that I just swiped my HSA card. So <laughs> it just depends on the individual. Right. And I guess, you know, for a lot of those things like preventative care, uh, annual checkups, things like that, those are even like covered with those high deductible plans anyways. So it's it's really more like the extra sickness, injuries, things of that sort, where you're really trying to meet that deductible. Exactly. If I see that I am eligible for an HSA, like how do you see that applying to people in different stages of their life? Yes. So we'll start out working backwards. So we'll start out with retirement because everyone knows that a lot of people with financial planners, they'll say, hey, 
contribute to an HSA, don't touch it, let it grow, let it build so that way you can use it during retirement, right? Because now we know there's this $315,000 expense as a couple that you're going to incur during retirement, right? And we want to be planning around that. Yeah, exactly. And so obviously with the retirement account, what's really nice about it is the HSA can be used to pay for Medicare premiums. So part B, part D, um, and Medicare Advantage. Um, you can pay co-insurance with them. And then any qualified medical expenses are tax-free. You can just swipe the HSA card and pay for everything from directly from the HSA. Um, the one thing that HSA is not eligible for is Medigap premium. So you want to be very conscious of that. That will not work for you. So if you are on a Medigap plan, the HSA you're not going to be able to use for the premiums, but you still can use it for any qualifying medical purchase that will be tax-free. And actually, right before this, we were doing some research just to find out, you know, what is eligible for you to use? Like if you're questioning something in particular, if you can use it for some qualified medical expense, there's a couple stores that will link here that you can use the HSA for just research what would be eligible to use your HSA. Yeah, because it is like a pretty broad statement of eligible medical expenses, qualified medical expenses is what like the term is. So what exactly does that mean? So what we have a couple of sources that we'll link to here, but what, what are the what are the ones that you use? So HSA store has a really great little search eligible products within their website. So that's a really awesome tool to use. And then the other HSAList.org. So that's another source that you can use to see what is eligible and what is not. And both of these websites will even tell you, okay, maybe it's automatically HSA eligible, or it can be HSA eligible, but you have to have a medical note saying that you need it for a certain particular reason. Well, that makes sense. And that is helpful because a lot of the times you might be spending money just out of your own pocket for things that would be applied to this HSA. So that would be helpful. Um, All right. So we're looking at retirement. Yes. So the average healthcare expenses for a retired couple, as we know, is $315,000 that you need to have saved by age 65. Now, let's say you're very healthy and retirement and you built up this large HSA. You're like, what am I going to do with it? Um, And you're worried about any sort of maybe long-term care occurrences because your family has experienced needing long-term care. So one of the advantages of an HSA account is you can actually pay your long-term care premiums with HSA funds to fund that. So if you are worried about that potentially in the future, this is another resource that you can use to pay for those premiums. Okay, so you have extra money inside of your HSA. You can use that to to purchase a long-term care policy of some sort. That sounds beneficial. Very. <laughs> Things that were already tax deductible and you wind up taking tax-free dollars to go ahead and pay for a policy. That seems like a good way to use that. Yeah. Absolutely. And then I think besides retirement, I think that, like I said, I think that it's an account that you can use all throughout your life. So Obviously, during your working years, you know, if you're contributing to an HSA and something comes up and you don't want to necessarily dip into your taxable account or you don't obviously don't want to dip into your retirement account because you don't want to pay any sort of penalties if you're under 59 and a half. This is a great place that you can dip into just if you don't want to pay it out of pocket. So any sort of qualified medical expense you can use during your working year lives. You can pay money that goes towards your deductible with your HSA fund. You can pay any co-payments that come up, co-insurance, 
everything can come out of this HSA account if you need it during that time. Okay. It's a matter of funding it, right? But of course, like there, there's qualified medical expenses that you can use for that. And what I have what I have found too is that a lot of employers these days, just because of the the cost to having medical plans for the employees that they are encouraging this type of a plan to, to take place. So for them, sometimes I've seen that they will make a contribution on the employee's behalf to the HSA to kickstart the plan itself. So if that is available to you, that you know, that's another way of looking at how to fund this. Exactly. And uh, one thing to note about that, and yeah, we've seen it multiple times in plans, is if they do make a contribution to your HSA account, it's not taxable to you at all, but it does cut into your contribution limits. So you want to make sure that if they're contributing $500, you know, $750, $1,000, just make sure that whatever that is, is included within your contribution to make sure you don't go over the max amount. What other, what other reasons why you would use a HSA? Yeah. So one of my biggest things and biggest proponents for HSAs is you never know if you're going to get laid off and you never know if you want to retire, you know, a little bit earlier before 65, before Medicare starts kicking in. And so one of the best things I think about an HSA is almost like looking at it as an emergency account. So if something were to happen to you, what you can use the HSA uh, funds on is actually COBRA premiums. So they'll allow you to use your HSA funds on COBRA for up to 18 months. If you know you get laid off or you retire um, a little bit earlier, you can actually use that as you know a stepping stone into, okay, when am I going to get my next job? Here's some funds that I can tap into that's not going into my emergency savings, like my taxable account emergency savings in the bank, I can actually use this HSA to pay for that in the meantime until I find my job or until, you know, Medicare kicks in. So I think that's one of the biggest reasons why I'm such a big fan of it, uh, because obviously those are tough times, or maybe you just are done working and you're like, I need to be done at 64. I'm going to put in my retirement and now I have this bucket of funds that I can use to jump me to the next step and lead me into the Medicare years. (laughs) And that helps too, because I, you know, Cobra, when you're, when you're leaving her between jobs, that is not cheap uh, because you're taking on the full expense of what that plan was. Uh, it's nice because you can take on the, uh, the medical or the insurance itself, but uh, that is certainly going to be coming out of your pocket. So that's another great place to be able to, to use funds from. Uh, what other, what other areas would you say that this is useful? Yeah. So this is an interesting one. So if you are just out of school, right, and you just start your job and say you're you're still under 26 years old, right? And so you're still eligible to be on your parents' health insurance, but what's and but they don't claim you as a dependent. That's one of the biggest things. They can't claim you as a dependent. Sometimes parents still keep claim you as a dependent, so you this would not work for you. But if you're starting early, you just got your job, you're not going on, you don't have an HSA eligible plan, but your parents do and they are actively contributing. What you can do as, you know, an individual paying your own taxes with your own job, you can actually contribute and open up your own HSA account, say at like Fidelity, and then you can contribute up to the full amount. So if your parents are on a family plan, you can contribute up to in 2023 seven thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars for the year and then let that grow so starting at age 19 if you get a job and then 
20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, right? Up until you're 26 and no longer eligible to be on your parents' plan, you can still actively contribute to an HSA and let that grow over time. So as an individual on your parents' plan, as long as they're not claiming you as a dependent, you can make a contribution. If As long as their plan is HSA eligible, you can make contributions to that. And like as a single or, I mean, well, I guess you would have to just be a single individual. And that, that limit is the 3850? No. So if they are, if your parents are on a family plan, you can still contribute even as a single if they're underneath the family plan and you are underneath the family plan as well, you can actually contribute up to that full 7,000. The family amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can your parents do the family amount too? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So huge advantage when it comes to if you're still on a family plan with your parents and under 26, you can actually both do the full contribution, which. Wow. So if you're. That's a pretty really- good, big caveat there. Yeah, I know. So if you're trying to start your kids off young and get them prepared for what's in store in the future and allowing compounding growth for your kids, if that's something that you wanted to set up and keep them on your healthcare plan because it makes sense, then they can start actively contributing to that and even a Roth IRA, which we all know I'm huge proponents of as long as you're working. (laughs) So you can start growing the Roth IRA as a young individual and let that compound over time and an HSA. So both so much tax all kinds of tax-free money (laughs) and we all know i'm a huge fan okay all right well what uh what might be some things that we would have to be aware of something we might slip up on or you know just some other things to know hs wise so not everything is so rosy and there's definitely things that you need to be cognizant of um with hsas So remember, HSAs have to be used on qualified medical expenses to come out tax-free for individuals. So if they're not used on qualified medical expenses, so if it's a non-qualified medical expense, it is taxable to you. And if you're under age 65 and trying to use it on a non-qualified medical expense, there's a 20% penalty to you as well. So you want to be cognizant don't be under 65 and taking out a distribution from the HSA because one, it's going to be taxable to you. And two, it's going to be a 20% penalty if it's not for a qualified expense. Okay, so. so careful taking advice from TikTok advisors. Absolutely. On what you can use HSAs for. Yes. Make sure that you use, if you're questioning it, use the links from what we're going to attach to this podcast. Which, for you. By the way, we like we nothing we get nothing from those those different sites or anything like that. No There's helpful sites that we found that were very useful for us. So Crystal, what are some other downsides of HSAs, the balances that you have inside of those? I mean, retirement or not, you know, what 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 do you have to be aware of? Yes. So a lot of advisors and this is good advice. I mean, they'll tell you to just contribute to the HSA don't don't use the funds while you're working use your outside funds to pay for those expenses and just let that build and let it compound over time well i think that just yes i agree with that idea but i also think like if you need it tap into it but the downside of a super funded hsa is it's great when it's you and your spouse if you both have the hsa you're both using it during retirement awesome if the spouse is a beneficiary of the hsa they can claim it as their own if something were to happen to 
you or the account owner, the original spouse. But if the HSA is given to a non-spouse and they inherit the account, it is completely taxable to that individual. Now, you may not care because you and your spouse have passed away, but it is something to take into account for and just know of in the back of your head that it will be completely taxable. They can't take it over as their own HSA. One thing that you can do to get around, say, if somebody were to, you know that the next person inheriting it is a non-spouse and say you're on your deathbed, I don't know how you would remember to do all this. Um, But if there's any unpaid medical expenses for the next year after you die, um, the individual can tap into the HSA and pay for those expenses up until a year after the date of death. Um, The other option would be if you are still living and you have paid for expenses that outside of the HSA that you didn't tap into the HSA, you can actually pay for any of those expenses, reimburse yourself, and then get it out of the HSA. So there is a little workaround, but that would take a lot of work and probably not something that you want to do right on your deathbed. So, Well, so I guess that is one of those things, like if you are helping parents with their expenses, you know, in the last stages, you know, that is something if there is an HSA that is outside and like eligible make sure like if you don't want to inherit a taxable account, make sure that if like you are paying for those medical expenses with the HSA first at that point in time, just to make sure that you're getting it out of it. And it is a tax preferred account to go ahead and do that with. Absolutely. So yes, just something to make note of. And then one last thing, if you are trying to avoid a tax penalty and you do have an HSA, you need to make sure that you remember six months before you apply for Medicare, to stop contributing to an HSA because you will incur a penalty. And so you don't want to have any contributions being made to your HSA within those six months. So make note of that. Don't make any contributions if you know you're going to retire, get onto Medicare, that sort of thing. Just stop contributing. Okay. Any other strange rules to know of? Yeah. There's one other thing that you can do. Say, just a fun little fact, say you have an IRA and you wanted to roll over a portion of your IRA into the HSA. It's actually something that you can do. You can only do it once in your lifetime, and you can contribute up to the max amount of the contribution for an HSA in that year. So for 2023, that would be you know 7750 for a family, family or for an individual, it would be $3,850 for 2023. So one thing, cool little trick. If you wanted to do that once in your lifetime, you absolutely can. You're starting like a, like a fresh HSA and you're, and you didn't know how to make that initial contribution in there to make sure you're meeting your deductible, but you do have an IRA outside of there. And like, typically you would be able to, to use the IRA for the medical expenses. So you could move money from the IRA to the HSA to basically fund it and make sure that your deductible is taken care of. Exactly. There you go. Well, I think that pretty much, I, I think we've covered HSAs in in good depth and length. Uh, and, and thank you, Crystal, for educating us about all of the different ways that we can wind up using that. Um, if anyone does have any sort of additional questions about HSAs, or like I said previously, any sort of financial planning questions, strategies, investment management, um, how do they wind up getting a hold of you, Crystal? Yes. So you can either call me at 858 858- Four eight seven three nine three nine, and just ask for Crystal Colbert, or you can email me directly at crystal.colbert, which is C-O-L-B-E-R-T at financialsense.com. And Aaron, if they wanted to get a hold of you, how would they get a hold of you? 
Yep, the same phone number is the 858-487-3939. And my email address is Aaron.Wigman, W-I-E-G-M-A-N, at financialsense.com. Thank you for joining us here today. And looking forward to speaking with you soon about some other nice financial planning topics that uh, we can hopefully educate you that much more about. Take care. The Financial Sense News Hour is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be considered as a solicitation or offer to purchase or sell any securities. The investments, investment strategies, and investment philosophies discussed or presented on the News Hour each involve their own unique risk factors, which are not discussed on the show. Responses to listener inquiries are based on the personal opinions of the Financial Sense staff and do not take into account listener suitability, objectives, or risk tolerance. Financial Sense News Hour and its parent company shall not be liable for any any financial losses that result from investing in any companies mentioned in Financial Sense or arising out of the use of any material on the news hour. Please be advised that you invest at your own risk.